Hello and welcome to McCartney in Goal because uh, this is the podcast that debates and dissects a great album of popular music. Uh, the plan is that we are going to throw in some stories, mix in our opinions and sprinkle over a sporting knockout format. I'm David Hughes and I'm joined by my fellow judges, Brett. Been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. And Steve Sumner. Hail Satan. Uh, We'll start with the eight tracks on this classic album and debate them against each other until we reach a grand final and then we'll discover our favourite song on the album. And as always, we promise to be uninformed, biased and a bit unruly. Mm. But not a Satanist. For clarification, I'm not a Satanist. It's not necessarily a statement of my own love of the Dark Lord. Well, that's unfortunate because your Wikipedia page now says that you're a Satanist. Oh, these things happen quickly, don't they? Gosh, the world moves The world moves a lot faster than it used to. I thought you said Hail Santa. I just thought you were a big fan of Christmas. I am. <laughs> That's why our Christmas episode was, was so excellent. If you haven't heard that, listeners, go to it. It's uh, The Satanic episode's coming soon. I'm sure it won't get as many listens, but it's going to be a cracker. Well, uh, tonight, tonight we are doing LED Zeppelin. So we'll be three times more energy efficient than the regular Heavy Rock podcast. <laughs> quite, quite like that. It's a sh- John Bunner. Isn't it? That's amazing. Um, so anyway, let's uh, go back to this album. It's 1970 and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin are recording at the same studio in London. Um, after they finished their album, Led Zeppelin asked Pink Floyd to take care of their gardens while they went off on tour. Uh, so this means Roger Waters' Robert's Plants. Roger Waters' plants. Robert's Plants, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, I saw that coming. It's upsetting. Yeah, but you shat all over his delivery. <laughs> You shat all over it. You've got to at least respect that. <laughs> you know, the thing is, only because I was toying with that joke for two weeks and then I realised I wasn't the one that tells the jokes. Right, so everybody, so it's funny because Roger waters Robert's plants, but he's called Roger Waters. That's his name, you see. And Rob, Robert Plant is the, uh, the no, singer in Led Zeppelin, but it's, it's Robert's It's never plants. funny when you explain your own jokes. If you're explaining someone else's jokes, which <laughs> you shat on while they try to I'm just to trying to make up the question. Even the worse. Line, that's all. We don't... We don't have time to explain it, Steve. But I thought it was—I thought it would get funnier if I explained it. See, because it would, Roger it, it would, but we don't have time for that, unfortunately. Why so don't we have time? If anyone out, out, well, actually, we we don't have time. We haven't even got time for puns, Brett, time. because all the time in the world, we, we've hardly got time for discussion. It's just straight into the competition <laughs> tonight because we've been getting longer and longer. I've noticed have we? more like every Led Zeppelin gig. <laughs> <laughs> So Please Please Me was one hour, 25 minutes. Jagged yes, Little Pill, one hour, 37 minutes. Oh. London Calling, one hour, 48 minutes. And our last episode, ABBA Gold, was one hour, 54 minutes. Top of the podium. Wow. We are, that is really long. We're not just a little okay. bit unruly. We're properly unruly. So what's, what are we going to do about that? So we, we, we don't have time to explain jokes or even make jokes. We've just got to get straight into it. Roger is watering Robert's plants. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and his name is Roger Waters, which is what makes it funny business. So you're going to make us stick to the time, are you, Dave? Uh, yeah, this isn't going to be yeah. a double album. No, try. no, oh. it's not. Um, so this album is Led Zeppelin 4 by LED Zeppelin. And it's only got eight tracks, which means we go straight into That's the quarterfinals. It's very handy. Very convenient very convenient is that why we chose it they were, they were helpful 
let's talk about the let's talk about the title. Let's talk about the title, everybody. So let's be really clear. It isn't called Led Zeppelin Four. It's a completely untitled album. But I just want to be really clear that there untitled. are some the untitled. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's it it doesn't have a title. It's it's Led Zeppelin's fourth album. But there is a level of of muso wankery that even I won't go to. And anybody, it's like you can see people on is YouTube there? and in books. Is there yeah, a even, level that you even, go to? even I won't really? go to this level. Like you can read in books and see on YouTube. People will say, "Oh, well, some people refer to it as Four Runes or or Zoso, or you know." And they'll come out with all these names that it's got. No, I've literally never met anyone, and I've let a, a lot of pretentious music around because they are my people. I've never met anyone <laughs> in the whole world that doesn't call it Led Zeppelin Four. It's Led yeah. Zeppelin fucking Four. Nobody calls it those other names. Mm. Stop being a twat. It's like the Beatles White Album. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the White, White Album. Album. Deal with it's it. It's the White Album. It's not called The Beatles. No one calls no, it The Beatles. No one calls so it The Beatles. To, uh, Get over yourself. Over there. Yeah. Which album? No, no, Which the, al- Beatles. No, the Beatles. No, The Beatles. Nobody that. says that. Stop being a knob. Exactly. Good. Well done. Well, I, I called it Les Zeppelin Four, didn't I? You did. You did. You I did. was just clarifying that you were correct. The long explanation was just to say, correct, carry on. <laughs> What's happened is that I had no intention of saying any of that, but because you've laid down the law about timing, to me, that is trying, literally the definition of a red rag to a bull. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, essentially, you've essentially challenged me, and now I absolutely can't contain myself when I'm Genuinely just going to fucking talk. I'm now wondering if I'm feeling like one of your students in one of your English oh, lessons. Yeah, yeah don't, don't try and ignore me or, or stop me because that will just escalate things very quickly (laughs) and we are well into the escalation right yes quarterfinals uh first quarterfinal and that is okay i just say these are all going to be hard black dog against rock and roll well this is hard particularly because they they're probably the most upbeat hard rocking of the whole album i would say that's genuinely 50 um, 50 for me with those two mm, they're, they're, they feel i mean they're very distinct songs but they do feel have a feel it's feel the same, the same they are uh, partly song. some of these quarterfinals are partly picked to make them difficult because oh, okay. um, it's more interesting when you, you like the uh, abuse we have a <laughs> yeah you vote first i need to think about it oh lord i need to think about it dave you vote oh, first. dave you go first you've had time to think about it you fucker i don't feel comfortable doing this but I'm going to vote Black Dog. You don't feel comfortable doing that because you don't like dogs, do you? So that is unusual. I didn't. I thought you would go for <laughs> yes. rock and roll. I am more of a cat person. Mm. <laughs> but I'm going to go yeah. Black Dog. So Black Dog is out in the lead at the moment. It's off the lead. <laughs> Black Dog. <laughs> Black Dog is rushing towards the lake. <laughs> it's seen a duck. Yeah. Anything, a squirrel, a, a bag of crisps, empty, <laughs> blowing in the wind. It'll go for anything. Um, oh, this is really difficult. Okay, Steve, what are you waiting for? I'm still... I'm, I'm like someone at a, a restaurant that's got a menu and, I, and the waiter's standing looking at me and I cannot decide what I want to eat. Well, I hoped you were going to get my mental memo to vote for, for rock and roll so that I could say Black Dog and there could be a bit of jeopardy here, but I am also going to vote for Black Dog, so you've blown it. Yeah, well, I haven't blown it because I would probably have voted for Black Dog as well myself, so you didn't get yeah. my mental memo oh, that I was... that it doesn't matter, yeah. You see, double bluff. We've got to work on those. <laughs> no, oh, it's so hard. Um, okay, well... Yeah, I will vote for Black Dog Fine. as well. All right, let's talk about rock and roll then.
Oh, incredible. It started as a jam, didn't it? From yeah, a... it started as a jam around Keep a, Keep a Knockin' by Little Richard. And if you put that on, you can hear the drums at the beginning. It is literally rock and it's roll. Embarrassing. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, oh, it's embarrassing. It's, it's but, just it's, by Led Zeppelin it's startling. It probably isn't embarrassing, but it, I mean, it, 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 it's, a cla- <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a classic example of uh, plagiarism with a small P, the, the Led Zeppelin way, the Noel we're, Gallagher way. We're going to have an, a, a thing in, just before the semi-finals called Whole Lot of Plagiarism. In which we discuss <laughs> five of our favourite moments of plagiarism from the Led Zepp canon, but this yeah. is is pretty is pretty um, you know startling. It's incredible. It's a great drum, great drum intro that just um, kicks off the you know the whole tune. I mean, uh, when do we get into talking about John Bonham? What an incredible drummer he is! I oh mean, yeah. yeah, we know they're all in, all incredible musicians, but the, you can really hear it on these first two tracks. What an unbelievable! Uh, drummer he was um yeah. so this was a, a bit of a kickback to the, the sort of 50s rock and roll stuff and i think some some of this was a, a, there was a bit of a kind of um let's not make too let's not put too many acoustic tracks on this uh you know after led zeppelin 3 having a lot of acoustic stuff on it so i think there was a bit of a statement of you know we're out to to, to rock and roll literally um and he does but the lyrics literally i think he mentions at least three classic rock and roll tunes i think there's the stroll is was a big tune the book of love was a big tune and walking in the middle moonlight was a big tune um and he and he references all three of those so there is at least an uh an acknowledgement of um, we're doing pastiche here it's you know you can't you can't directly reference the titles of three rock and roll tunes uh without sort of holding your hands up a little bit and going look this is what we're doing but it, tra- but it transcends pastiche, you know, by being a great tune. It doesn't, you know. Oh, I mean, be- I mean, really, it's kind of a joke tune. It's a, it's a kind of a, on paper. The more I'm saying this and listening to myself, it's kind of a throwaway pastiche joke tune. But it's still strong enough. They're so powerful at this point that it's strong enough they can still open probably their most classic album with it, and it's amazing. Uh, which says says a lot about. No, they open with Black Dog, don't they? And then it's rock and roll. Oh, it's a good point. Good point. Oh, but it's a it's a double whammy, though, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, I only said that because we'll get tweets otherwise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want those people letters. pointing. Yeah, yeah, pointing yeah. out. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, but you know what I mean? It's, it, there's there's no shame. There wouldn't have been any shame in opening with with that. Um, oh, both would be incredible openers. You know, absolutely. And I think it's Ian. It's it's either Ian Stewart yeah, or Nicky Hopkins on piano. But, Ian but it's, Stewart. it's one and of the why Stones is Ian mainstays. Stewart? Yeah, and who is Ian Stewart, Dave? Before you take a glug of your beer, he is—he's uh, the pianist on uh, rock and roll. <laughs> my Led Zeppelin. Oh my what, god! What, who was he? A <laughs> who was he? An original member of what band was he? An original member of? Oh, I don't Quiz. know. Rolling Stones. <sighs> Yes. Correct. Correct. You Mardi fucker with the quiz. And, and what others? What other tune uh, do Led Zeppelin for a bonus point, Brett? Because I'm not even going to pitch this to you oh, for fuck failing him. that. Yeah, fucking completely. Um, <laughs> what, what other tune do Led Zeppelin uh, have him definitely on? I'm going to guess because I read it earlier today. Boogie with Stew. Because yeah, Boogie with Stew, as in Ian Stewart. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. And why is he here? Because they used oh, the Rolling Stones Mobile Studio. That's I'm it. Guess. And oh, okay. that is why this album is recorded in a possibly haunted English manor house called mm. Headley Grange because they had the opportunity to all live there by the fact that the Rolling Stones had a mobile recording truck which allowed them to Just record. outside in the grounds, right? Yeah, and yeah. allowed them to record in this house rather than go to a recording studio. Okay. We're going to have to... looking we're... fascinated by that anecdote. Is that going to make the cut? Probably no, not. No, it will, but we're going to have to wrap it up 
Wrap it up, move it on. Move it on. Move on. Rock, rock and roll. Um, I just want to finish by saying, so this album was well, released in 1971, so recorded in, what, 1971? 70, 71. 70, 71, yeah. So this is only 15 years removed from the height of rock and roll. We're talking about the song rock and roll. Mm. Um, that's amazing, isn't it? That we're 15 years removed from Rock Around the Clock, Elvis, Buddy Holly just how fast music had moved in those 15 oh, it's, years. It's insane. It's insane. It is in- I was thinking that today because you think about Led Zeppelin, I always think of them as a 70s band, but they actually f- released their first album in 1968. You think, like, You Really Got Me was recorded in 1964 and you're like, jaw is dropping to the floor with this hard rock sound. And then four years later, you evolve in four years to fucking the first Led Zeppelin album. It's And Dazed and Confused and all of that kind of insane harmonic wizardry it's unbelievable the progress it's made in four years and, mm. and certainly in 15 and we need to move that's on that's why a lot of people stop listening to music after 1971 because they think well it's all done I'm not going to sit around and wait for dubstep I'm quite happy <laughs> right so uh, Black Dog goes through to semi-finals and Rock and Roll uh, is our first one to go out the next quarter final is Four Sticks against mm. Stairway to Heaven. Oh, thank God. Oh, that's a lot easier. That's oh, a lot yeah. easier. Yeah, that's well, obviously. So what do we want to say about Four Sticks before it goes out? I had a very strange experience. In fact, this is the only time I've ever had this experience on the podcast with an album this classic, which is I, I was listening through and I got to Four Sticks and it opened. I thought, oh, yeah, opening to Four Sticks, fair enough. And I realised very quickly after 10 seconds of the opening that I had, as far as I could tell, never heard this song Some, something in my younger self meant that I clearly Just objected to the intro because I know what I know what 18 year old Steve Sumner was like clearly there was something about that intro was that annoyed he, me um, was he measured thoughtful phlegmatic yeah oh yeah was all of those things. Yeah, all of those was, things was and more. Was he in any way just, you know, irrationally just happy Temperamental, to stick to a, a very judgmental. strong opinion about something and then just stick to it to the death? Yeah, absolutely right. But the thing is, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't impose this one on anyone else. I just never listened to Four Sticks again. So yeah. I sort of had it on rotation going, well, I've, how have I never listened to the rest of it? And it's, it's actually really good. It's just not as good as everything else on Led Zeppelin 4. That's a great summation. I is it totally really good, agree. though? I think it's I think it's decent. I think it's a really decent song. I think it's yeah, but and the yeah. riff's good. I like the riff. They had trouble with it. I think the lyric doesn't go anywhere, and no. also I think the vocals are mixed too low so that you don't hear the lyric properly. So even though he sounds committed in singing it, you just don't catch any of it, and none of it stays with you. They only ever played it live once, so that probably tells you something. Yes, although, although they only 
yeah, go on. But they, they Page and Plant revived it when they came back and did all those Page and Plant albums in the or the two Page and Plant albums in the nineties. In, in the nineties, they revived it and played it all the time for some okay. reason. Because this song is called Four Sticks. Why? Because John Bonham played it with two sets of drumsticks. Ah, so, didn't know that. And he's got two, yeah, he played. Bonham is an absolute beast as a drummer. It's just it's unbelievably exciting to hear him play but he played with two b's which are the th- some of the thickest drumsticks they're all got these different names so you get a 2a or a 5a so like but here's a two b's which are really massively thick and he played and darker with- for drawing with as well yes <laughs> they have that added bonus as well yeah yeah <laughs> That's a pencil joke, folks. They're my favourite kind. Um, I, I do think, though, I do think... Well, that's got that's... a lot of lead in it as well. Oh, oh look at that. that. Now, you see, the reason that was funny, listeners, was because... <laughs> you in the pencil, in the middle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so the thing about Four Sticks is, 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 again, we'll get to the fact that Black Dog was named because there was a black, black lab wandering around the studio, and I don't think there's much relevance to the lyric other than that. But, I mean, I think, I think yeah. it's not... For me, it's not a good sign if your lyric is, <laughs> is inconsequential to the point where you're going to name the song after the fact that what, Bond was playing with, with the double stick section. <laughs> it's like, that, that is a bad... You might as well call it Cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, a cup of tea. You know, it's like... The one where Dave slipped over. It's like, it's not It's not a great yeah. sort of uh, no. start, that, for me. But there no. is some, there's some interesting stuff going on with it because there's some interesting uh, panning of vocals and there's some electronic sounds in there and there's some acoustic in there. And actually, it doesn't... In, in a lot of ways, there's a lot, a lot of sections, but they don't they don't sort of add up to more than some of their parts, I think. I, I quite... Well, I, I like that. I think it's an interesting prog rock patchwork of, of yeah. riffs and rhythm. Yeah, um, that's fair. I'd say the least interesting thing on it is the vocal melody and the vocals themselves. Yeah, I think that's also fair. I agree with that. Um, and for that reason, I'd say it's the weakest point on the album, and and it, so it's an easy an easy win for Stairway to Heaven. I think it's I think it's universally accepted that it is probably the the least classic thing on their most classic album. Sorry, people who think that's physical graffiti. I apologise. Oh, I I really love Led Zeppelin. Well, some of the tracks on Led Zeppelin one are amazing. I really like them, and I really got a soft spot for Led Zeppelin three, which is their acoustic album, which preceded this one and was very much them kind of retreating to a Welsh cottage and and getting more back to like a folk sound. They're all inspired by folk music, a hundred percent, all sorts of music. But they really I love two. I love Houses of the Holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of good, good good stuff in this catalogue um but yeah okay dave we're being quick right. enough for you uh not quite no but thank you Sorry. for being aware we'll up. and we'll asking being cognizant of the fact we might want to be yeah. um okay <laughs> uh, so we're halfway through the quarterfinals so let's quickly do uh who were led zeppelin who are the main players here it's two groups of two really you yeah. essentially you've got two very very uh well-schooled popular well-paid very well thought of session musicians who are playing all around London and are masters of their instruments and can play in all these different styles (laughs) oh sorry did that (laughs) Jesus Christ did that that come in a bit loud the length of the episode I I suspect that was a speed joke about (laughs) trying to be faster, but I'm going to take my fucking time if you keep doing stunts like that. (laughs) All you're doing is red rag to a ball, my friend. So the other two in Led Zeppelin were a pair of 
Who were those two? You didn't say I'm who those two were. This. I'm getting to this. You and can't say other... two were and then don't define Fine. who they are. All right, Jimmy, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones are, the session, are, are the session musicians. And, and right. uh, they're very, very, very popular around London and they're making a whole lot of cash and playing in lots of bands and all sorts of stuff. And then the other two are a sort of pair of oiks from a uh, young pair of oiks from Birmingham who are in Your band of oik, yeah pair pair of uh, uh, oiks uh, <laughs> band called Band of Joy uh, in in Birmingham and um, all right that's enough from me <laughs> right have I got time for this um, no that's it that's all he wants you got you got thirty seconds. He asks okay. questions, listeners, uh, but Jimmy he doesn't Page want the was, fucking answer. Jimmy Page was a session musician, and uh, he, he was asked to play bass of the Yardbirds, and he played a few gigs with them, and that was good, and then Jeff Beck was in the man, and then Jeff left on a tour, and Jimmy got the guitarist gig, and he did a tour for 18 months, and then it fell to shit, but he had the name, so he kept the name, and he said to John Paul Jones, you want to join the band? He said, yes, I do! And then uh, he said, he asked Terry Reid to be the singer in the band, and Terry said, no, I've got a solo deal, but there's this guy called Robert Plant, and he said, all right, I'll try him out, and then Robert said, oh, I've got this mate called John Bonham he plays the drums and they tried to ask John Bonham but he was in a good gig in a dance band he said I don't know he's not paying any money but they went to do it anyway and then they got together and they jammed and played a song and it was really good and they formed Let's Zeppelin boom <laughs> that's me done that was that was there you go I mean I, that was stunning whether any of it was audible or comprehensible is, is in any way is another question another question altogether yeah you've got to question it if you're listening to this podcast you've got someone that barks <laughs> questions at you but he doesn't seem terribly interested in the answers no, he's like interested. that he's like that slightly slightly uh, sort of senile uncle that comes around and says how are your parents and then moves on to the next thing before before asking before before getting the answer uh, a great summary in in less than 60 under seconds under pressure yeah, yeah. just pick out a couple of those things so um no there's no time dave no time dave okay but i'm oh. gonna do it anyway so uh when when did they form just to recap summer 1968 um it was around about then and um jimmy page still owned the name the yardbirds so they did the first gigs as the new yardbirds and there's a story of this guy turning up to the gig and he's like oh there's only one yard bird in this band. I'm going to get my money back. And then they played and he's like, oh, maybe I might hang around. <laughs> so he stuck around for the gig because obviously it's awesome. Something really interesting you mentioned in the middle there, Brett, um, was that uh, Robert Plant wasn't the first choice to join the band. Jimmy Page asked Terry Reid. Terry Reid. Um, he he said no because he had a solo record. Do you think he's ever regretted yeah, that? Know, like probably. every single day. So the person I feel sorry most sorry for in all of this is is Keith Relf, who is rock's i think most forgotten man because it's well, like i've most... never heard of him so definitely most exactly well he was the, he was the lead singer of the yardbirds and wow. because you had the th- the three most famous guitarists you know in england come come through this band nobody remember I and mean, when does yeah. that happen nobody remembers yeah. the, the lead singer he, he he faded into obscurity very quickly and and it's, it's sort of forgotten to history and it's very sad and another aspect of, of the formation story i really like is that um, so John Paul Jones is the bassist. It, it was actually uh, his wife that heard that Jimmy Page was looking for a bassist. And she told her husband uh, to ask Jimmy uh, if if he could join the band. But they're also they're also very they're very well spoken, uh, relatively posh 
uh, sort of London types, and then and then they get you know the I'm going to use the word oiks for comedy, but I mean they were sort of you know Birmingham lads, and I think when when you know you think of Page and Plant now as a thing, but it was it was you know it was Jimmy Page's band. Jimmy Page was in charge. He picked the people, and and I read a biography recently, and Robert Plant was shitting himself when he went to meet Jimmy Page at his house you know it's like this guy's this guy's a big deal in the in the industry and he wants me to be in his band I'd better not screw this up and you don't you don't think about that stuff now but yeah we don't was, that's right we don't think of the Yardbirds now as a big deal but they were a really big deal yeah yeah they were really yeah. big yeah. and he was and he was and just his session stuff he was he was incredibly well thought of in the industry uh, and his reputation, if you knew, if you knew anything in the industry, his reputation, you know, he he would have played on records that, you know, as, if you were Robert Plant, you would you would know that this guy had played on that record and that record and that record, you know, and uh, you know, st- really, like really seminal stuff, um, like the like you really got me, which apparently he didn't play. I always thought he played the solo on You Really Got Me by the Kings, but actually apparently he played the the rhythm, and uh, Dave Davies was very proud that he played the solo. But you know, but the, but the thing is, throughout from from Zeppelin's just as you know, cap that off from Zeppelin's career right through to the end and I can't think of another band where this applies Jimmy Page produced every single album every single Led Zeppelin album was produced by Jimmy Page it was his band it's not like the Beatles where you know the power shifts towards the end or whatever it was his band at the beginning and it was his band at the end and it was him that sort of continues the legacy now and mixes mixes the remasters and you know all of that sort of stuff uh, but it was always Jimmy Page's thing and and um as Brett said, that he chose the name, so he'd, he'd formed his band, and he chose the name the New Yardbirds, and then and then realised that that was probably a little bit lazy. So he recalled a conversation that he'd had two years previously. So uh, it's May 1966. Uh, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page are discussing the idea of forming yeah. a supergroup, uh, right. and they were going to do that with the Who bassist John Entwistle and the yeah. Who drummer Keith Moon. Moon. And yeah. John Entwistle said that when the rest of the Who found out about it, it was going to go down like a lead balloon. And yeah. Keith Moon said, well, then we should call the band Led Zeppelin. Boom. Kaboom. That's the story I've heard, yeah. Why did they spell it L-E-D? Don't make the lights jump. <laughs> <laughs> you, saw my, you saw my mouth Don't open and I was like, oh, I fucking, I felt for a moment he was going to do it. I was shitting myself. I was. I was going to. I, I know I you like, fucking I got, were. I got a second I, bite at I, that I, joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck in a moment of fear and terror. I just couldn't move. So, so thank fuck. But Steve to be fair, the it. reason it's funny, listeners, Ooh. is because it's a joke about light and LED bulbs uh, emit less uh, energy than uh, normal. Uh, moving on, then we are back into the quarterfinals. Next pairing is the Battle of Evermore against Misty Mountain Hop. Oh, this is a good one. It's I mean, relatively but, easy. Yeah, relatively yeah. Easy. Yeah, I think so. Um, Battle of Evermore is really good. I think, yeah, it's uh, Page borrowed a mandolin from John Paul Jones yeah. to write this. And I don't think he really played the mandolin before. What he does is so intrinsically musical, what he does, and how he gets just different colours and shapes out of the mandolin is just brilliant. Yeah, Steve, what do you think about these two? Uh, well, f- f- I mean, it's interesting because there's a bit of a, a bit of Tolkien uh, creeping into both of them because obviously there's a lot, a lot of a lot of um, there's a lot, a lot been written about um, Robert Plant sort of getting into to Tolkien's 
fiction and fantasy type writing. Uh, it's not it's not massive, but it's it's there in both of them. But I, th- I think Battle of Evermore is, is is way the stronger tune for yeah. uh, for me. I mean, Misty Mountain Hop is fun. Yeah, um, I agree. And it, you know, the, the Tolkien the Tolkien thing's only there in the title and the ending, but mostly it's a song about you know sort of hippies hippies and a bit of a drug bust. You know, it's 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 fun. I like the sound. I like the the, mm. the keyboard that they the use great, and, and the groove of it. Yeah, but it's it's not the Battle of Evermore. I, I think it's. Uh, I really like Misty Mountain Hop. I, I agree. Yeah. It's a uh, really strong, stomping riff, um, but the, the Robert Plant melody um, is not as strong as the instruments. Not as strong as the riff. I don't know. I like. I like that weird harmony he does with himself. I think yeah. it makes for an interesting. Yeah. Battle of Evermore goes through. Of course. Yes. Which means there are two songs that we haven't talked about yet: "Going yeah, to California" okay. and "When the Levee yeah. Breaks." Fine, oh, that's Lord. easy. Is it? That's not easy for me. Of course it's easy. For fuck's sake, it's when the levee breaks, man. Get you, get a grip. Unbelievable. It's the most abrupt I've ever been with Steve, but I have to be on that <laughs> Going to California Dave, is amazing. Dave, if you vote for going to California, I'm going, going to come round to your house, which is not far, and punch you in the face. I want to see in what fairness. Steve does. In, in fairness. Come on. Uh, when the levy breaks is one of the greatest. I remember Liam Gallagher saying that the reason he formed a band was when the levy breaks, and he's not even a Zeppelin fan. When does he even mention? When does Le- when do you hear Liam Gallagher mention Led Zeppelin? And that it, it it is, even though there are more memorable, more intricate, more brilliant drum drum introductions all over the place. It is the the best and most sampled, by the way, drum intro to any song ever. And actually the reason it's so great for for me, it, it it ruins the Rolling Stones often for me. And I know I know a lot of people love Charlie Watson. I know you both love Charlie Watson, but my issue with the Stones is I'll often listen to the Stones, even the big Mick Taylor bit in the middle that I love so much. And I'll hear them and I'll think, yeah, this is great, this is great. And then I'll just think Oh, but when the levy breaks, and I just think, imagine if, imagine if John Bonham was was in the Rolling Stones, it'd be a whole different thing, and and yeah, it's incredible. So I'm going to talk about, I'm, I have, I'm going to have to vote levy, but I'm going to talk about going to California because I love it. Yeah, it let's see what everyone's good. voting for first. Well, I'm voting for when the levy breaks, Dave. What are you voting for? I'm voting for when the levy breaks. Oh, okay, well okay. Thank Can I talk about going to California? Worried for a moment there. Yeah, go on then. So. Uh, Paige wrote the uh, lyrics strangely I didn't realise that he did that mm. at all um, and they are pretty obviously about Joni Mitchell um, and, right why uh, inspired by her well 
obviously for a number of reasons. One, they've confirmed that since. <laughs> Two, the references are quite clear. Three, if you listen to the utterly brilliant, posthumously released uh, Led Zeppelin triple live album, How the West Was Won, he literally goes, he sings it, and halfway through he goes, Joni, <laughs> in the middle of the song. He literally <laughs> says, Joni, like that. It's like, uh, you know, he talks about the golden-haired girl and all this sort of thing, and then looks the audience in the eye and says, Joni. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's fairly clear. Um, what, what was the connection between... Uh, with Jimmy Page and Joni on? Mitchell. What well, she was just uh, up and coming, and she was she was right. in her absolutely enormous period at the time, and it was it was just a kind of you know she she who was, was a fan. Canadian who had who had moved to California, and it was very much that kind of you know if I'm writing this beautiful song about sort of sunshine, lazy sounding, beautiful acoustic thing about about California, the the, the the dream girl in this scenario at this point in time would be Joni Mitchell. So why wouldn't I personify her in this song? I don't think it's any stronger than that. You know, I mean, you listen to some of that Stone stuff. We talk about, you know, Exile on Main Street and how the Stones are really down. We're not talking. We're not talking to... Exile on Main Street. No, I know. <laughs> we don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time to talk Exile on Main Street. I would have finished. If or, you or David Crosby for the second time. I, I'm not bringing up David Crosby for the second time. Although he did discover Joni Mitchell. Um, <laughs> He's doing it anyway, Dave. Fuck you, Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what have we voted? I don't know. Levy goes through. That was the quarterfinals. Uh, we're all ready for the semifinals, Oof. but before we get there, uh, mm-hmm. we have a. What? But David, you were a lawyer. Yes. There's a potential legal problem with Led Zeppelin in the fact they plagiarised nearly everybody on all of their songs. <laughs> I see. I, th- I thought you were going with he should take his time and not go fast uh, because lawyers, lawyers charge by the hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he should just really string everything out. Oh, that's a great smooth segue. I'm glad we worked on that beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is Legal Corner. Nice. Have you got a jingle? Have you got a jingle for Legal Corner? Oh, we've got to get a jingle. Oh, what I have got is this. Oh, it's the elephant. It's the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room jingle. What, what, oh, lovely what stuff. Is the, what is the elephant in the room when it comes to Led Zeppelin, Steve? The fact that they were a little bit Noel Gallagher-esquely naughty when it came to pinching stuff. A little bit, a little bit. Just a little bit, and they pinched pinched a lot of stuff. It's unbelievable, it's so brazen. And what is interesting as well is... um he just nicks so many lyrics. Like it's, it's, oh, did so, they? it's so stupid. Not just the music. Lyrics. I mean, it's just it's it's the most quick nick in the history of plagiarism because you've literally nicked the lyrics. You don't have to argue anymore. Like, oh, it's this chord and it's this grammatic passage. You don't need a special musicologist lawyer. It's like yeah, literally the same word. Right. Anyone can understand that. That is not on. I mean, I can see how over the years since the birth of rock and roll, um, it, it's become you know plagiarism has become harder to get away with. So if you nicked something in 1956 or even 1962, you know, um, records were more disposable and... and um, What's the clever word? Transient. Mm. Mm, clever. That was a very clever word. I'm glad you used that. We're, we're going to listen to a list of five songs. The first one is Dazed and Confused. And the difference between the two pieces of music and the effect they have on you as a listener are worlds apart. But... It's still, this is an act of plagiarism. So this is what? This is Dazed and Confused, the original. God, you can hear it immediately. Yeah, Jack Holmes. 
um, who was like a kind of psychedelic folk artist, who Jimmy Page and I think Jimmy Page or Robert Plant saw in a in a gig or a festival they were doing, and they kind of went, oh, we'll have that. I think it was a Yardbirds gig they were playing afterwards. And oh, that's not bad. And they remembered the kind of riff and they developed Dazed and Fused around it, which is a massive, incredible Led Zepp monster of a track. It really defines kind of Led Zepp and really that whole light and shade. Uh, idea of how you make the blues or folk music incredibly thrilling uh, and advance it. So this is the first one where it, it, you can hear it absolutely, Steve's right, you can absolutely hear it, but you, you, after two or three minutes of listening to this, you're a bit like, okay, that's enough for me, thanks. But um, Led Zeppelin's Dazing Fuse is just spellbinding and amazing, but obviously they owe a debt to him. It opens up the question of what's worthy of being having to pay for and obviously yeah, this one is because they've used a lot but yeah they used a lot but even then it's interesting isn't it it's such a strange thing to do to take some of the lyrics and then change the other ones it's yeah. like such a risky thing to do it's like well, we've taken the title and the riff and, and coupled the it's, words and... it's extraordinarily sloppy really I think probably at the time because the first time people would be collared for it you wouldn't think to do it now you would definitely change the lyrics because as I said it's such an easy grab you you can easily say well you've, you've definitely yeah. nicked that yeah, it, ly- lyrics are just, that. that's an open and shut case. Uh, I think at the other end of the scale is a drum beat. I think it's really hard to yeah, to you, prove yeah, yeah. that you've plagiarised a drum beat because drum beat, that's well, let's just play a track. Let's play track four off this list. So that's Little Richard's Keeper Knocking. Which is obviously the drum fill of rock and roll. Like, unbelievable. Drum beats are not subject, or they weren't subject to copyright law. So you can get away with as many nicking as many beats as you want. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I get it because it's, it's unbelievable. It, isn't it? It's rhythm. When it comes to rhythm as opposed to melody or words, can you can you copyright a rhythm? I know. I I, I would find that much harder. I and mean, you know, I, I for me. And I've got to be careful because Brett's a drummer, so he might not agree with me. But, but be for careful. me, for me, I I would feel it. relatively comfortable with completely ripping off a drum beat and just putting something else over the top of it because I assume there's only so many drum beats in the world. But I could be wrong, you know. Uh, well, that is a very specific drum. I mean, that's a very unique. That's not a common or familiar drum beat. That's very, very, very specific. If you can sing the drum beat or kind of, that's one of the major hooks. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a, it's a it's a very unique bit of creation there from from um, the drum the drummer on that track. So I yeah, I mean, that's fair. It, it just you're right. The the law doesn't uh, see it as something that could be copyrighted. Maybe a recording can, but the actual drum beat, you know, nick away because you can't get it done. But it, it still they have absolutely nicked that note for note almost I mean that and, and people do the Chemical Brothers base their whole career on the drum beat for Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles <laughs> yeah yes essentially yeah but you, you know uh, which Completely. is a very distinctive drum beat but can it be copyrighted it's an it, amazing drum beat it's an amazing and it's an amazingly inventive drum beat that the act it, of creation on that is so singular and special oh yeah but, but is it capable so it should of be. being copyrighted I, for me, I think a lot of it, it's so hard to make a great track and a great record. Even you could remix some of these songs. You can just change a mix on a song and it won't have the same impact, the same effect. So for me, I'm kind of a bit less bothered about plagiarism. I think if you can make it great, 
then you've done something special and you've done something unique. So I don't know if you should be having to pay out huge amounts for it, but there you go. Um, that is that part of the creative process. However, that is not the way the law sees it, and I do not agree with the way Led Zeppelin just had to no. act now and apologise later if you're forced. I think that's totally wrong. I think um, I'm talking from a creative standpoint, whether it's valid. I think from a legal money point of view, they really should have fessed up and paid out a lot earlier, but they didn't, mm. and they were I, they only paid out when they were forced to. It's yeah, absolutely. Shocking. No, I mean I think this is much worse than something like hip hop. A lot of people had problem with hip hop, but I thought that was I always thought that was brilliant. It was like you know. I mean, it's that's what Shakespeare used to do. Shakespeare was doing exactly the same thing as hip hop artists, which is you know, I'll take completely, uh, I'll, I'll take a story that already exists Romeo and, I'll and adapt Juliet. it. And that th- was they a, were all stories that existed, yeah. yeah and, and 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 with hip hop, it was like I'm going to take this thing from over here and this thing from this record over here. I'm going to put them in a, in a soup and create a new thing. Whereas what Zeppelin were doing was straight rip off, um, which is and and not and not crediting the people and a lot of a lot of that's I think what it, I don't think it's a straight rip off I don't think Dazed and Confused is a straight rip off I think what it is is there were some really direct rip offs so I think what they did wrong was they didn't credit anyone they just said oh yeah, yeah. that's us no exactly um, but anyway so track t- two Dave on the list I sent you is You Need Love you'll hear it when the vocal comes in it's really the vocal it's incredible. Baby, whole lot of plagiarism. That's crazy. I'm really the only it. side woman you need love. <laughs> it's incredible. Okay, and then we got... Oh, Steve, talk to us about this, When the Levy Breaks, a game which... I don't think they gave credit for, did they? When they no. Oh, they no, they did. They did, did they? but they were forced to in the eighties. No, no, I, but think, I mean they didn't when they released the album. I think at they? the time they. So this is by uh, Memphis Mini. Memphis Mini. And I think at the time mm-hmm. they credited it as Memphis Mini, and then the four of them. Oh, okay. No, no, they didn't. Oh, didn't they? they didn't credit her at all. They were they were forced legally to. Uh, her name was not on the album at all until well into the eighties. Okay, so I mean that is clearly when the levy breaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it, it could be more clear. You, you know, you've got to read the title. That's how well, last night sat on the levy and moaned. I mean, that's the lyric. You know, they they were extraordinarily happy to dodge it, but they also lacked so much guile in the way. Oh, they just obviously didn't think it was going to be an issue. That was just a cover, wasn't it? They they didn't nick that so much as they just did a cover, and and called yes, it their they own. They did nick it, Dave, because it, well, yes, all right, fine, but they, you know they, that's, that's they, nicking. They as, didn't as, credit they it didn't... as they they did no, a cover. They it was called When the Levy Breaks. They did When the Levy Breaks. The lyrics are basically the same, yeah. and they said it was the letter. They credited themselves as yeah. as the writers. They were basically hiding in plain sight. Well, or thinking yeah. that because I mean, that was um, we should say that was a, a song from matter, yeah. a recording from nineteen twenty nine. So yeah, yeah, I guess they were thinking, well, no one's going to come after it. It's so far own. away, and that was yeah, out of copyright. Who cares? When, when we're talking, you know, the music at the time. When we're talking that Elvis and and uh, Chuck Berry and and Buddy Holly were fifteen years, you know, the height of rock and roll was fifteen years removed from this album. Nineteen twenty nine must have seemed like 
generations ago. Yeah, it makes sense why you would think that. It's like, you know, is it in copyright? Is this person alive? Does it matter? No, let's just do a cover and, you know, say we we arranged it. And the arrangement is insanely brilliant. So oh, it's, like, it's so unique and amazing. And yeah. the but it's like, it, it's like uh, Jimi Hendrix doing All Along the Watchtower and, and, and passing it off as his own song, basically, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. a brilliant version. It is so much, he, he, so much he, better than if, the Dylan He probably rearranged that more than... Um, Led Zeppelin did of When the Levee Breaks yeah possibly yeah anyway um, so the last one is the most intriguing okay. I'm just going to just, just play it and you'll hear what song oh, I think I've, I remember the court case this yeah it's very interesting this is by a band called Spirit they're like a 70s psychedelic rock band um, you're not going to hear it yet but you'll hear it in about 10 seconds you know exactly what tune wasn't this quite about. a recent court case like within the last 10 was, years yeah 2016 2018 yeah it was very recent and who are the because uh, obviously one of the arguments is that Jimmy Page had never heard this chord progression or never heard this tune but that argument is rendered somewhat redundant <laughs> by the fact that Spirit <laughs> toured with Led Zeppelin for quite a long time <laughs> and he had the record in his record collection yeah Stay away to court one. <laughs> Your case is being heard now. Because <laughs> it's not just the chord progression, it's being picked in the same way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't resolve. It doesn't resolve the same way. Which no. is brilliant. The resolve is, is fantastic and it's more folky. This is too psychedelic rock and it doesn't resolve where it should. But it's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? And that was a court case in which they did not win. And Led Zeppelin have retained complete rights to stay away to heaven and don't have to credit uh, Spirit at all. Yeah, Whereas a lot I of the other stuff they've been forced to, yeah. they've been forced to uh, admit and or um, uh, put other people into the songwriting credits. I think I think there is an argument here, but it comes back to what Dave was saying earlier. I mean, that's it's a section. It's not the whole song. It's not like yeah, Levy. Um, it's it's not like Levy or or no. Dazed and Confused. It's not the same argument. No, not necessarily a black and white issue, is it? But it's just, it's just so intriguing to hear, though. Some of them are yeah. just jaw dropping, though. The semi final, the semi final now. The semi finals are next. Absolute mammoth songs. Big songs, yeah. The first one is, first pairing is. Oh, God, I've been shit at this. <laughs> I feel like starting the whole thing black again. Black dog. Black right, dog. we're into the semi finals. We've got four big songs waiting for us, huge ones. And the first pairing is. Black Dog against Stairway to Heaven. Deja vu. Um, Black Dog versus Stairway to Heaven. Oh, flipping heck! It's so it's cl- it's classic. Let, let's let's elephant in the room. It. It's um, it's let's. Wonderwall syndrome time, isn't it? Where are we? But can we have the elephant. Yeah, we're getting the elephant. There it is. There it lovely is. stuff. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, can can you hear Stairway to Heaven objectively? It's very hard, and there's obviously the famous uh, clip in a, in a Mike Myers film called Wayne's World, in which he goes into the guitar shop and he yes. tries to play the intro to Stairway to Heaven. He's banned. There's like a sign in the guitar shop. No stairway. stairway. No denied. Stairway. Denied. Um, you know that's yeah. So it is so so but ubiquitous. It, it feels like it was more iconic back in the 1990s than mm, at the height of hard rock and metal than it is now. It doesn't feel like it's yeah, so um, embedded in in 
general culture. No, that's an interesting thing because in that same film, Wayne's World, which is brilliant, and if you like Mike Myers, check it out if you haven't already. I mean, probably most people know what I'm talking about, but they also have a scene where they play Bohemian Rhapsody. So there's two yes. big, massive rock songs that are redolent of the era, and I do, I know you mean, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is still yes. s- sustained in a way that's common currency, whereas Stairway hasn't. Yeah. I would probably agree with that. I um I texted my daughters uh, the other day, and they're t- they're they're teenagers, are they? Yeah, yeah, they now? are. Uh, they're twelve, and mm. I I texted them, uh, sent me a link to a song that you've been listening to over the last year, and I think they sent me some Harry Styles, and they sent me a link to yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I meant I meant new music. They were like, yeah, but we just got into this, and, and this is great. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I'm familiar. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Stairway to Heaven, ubiquitous, <laughs> yes. Awesome, yes. We've because yes. it's such a hard decision. Yes. Um, I don't, for me, it doesn't suffer. I was thinking about that phrase exactly today on the walk with the dog. I'm, so I was walking my black dog, Pablo, the lurcher, um, and he's he's been suffering in the heat recently because he is he does he's he's black and he's got a big fur coat on um and i was listening to this song so ah oh, i kind of want to vote black dog because i've got a black dog but then i want to vote stay away to heaven because i just think i should and it's great i feel that if you voted black dog because you have a black dog <laughs> we might get some tenuosity tweets <laughs> Yeah, there it is. I really love Black Dog. It's fucking awesome. Ooh, but I just ooh. think Stairway Brett. to Heaven. Come on. Okay, so so let's let's have the uh, let's have the Black Dog final. Black Dog by Led Zeppelin or Black Eyed Dog mm-hmm. by Nick Drake. Oh, oh God! You oh, bastard. oh, that's, uh, that's a very oh, very hard one for Brett. Call my name. Oh, that is so. I think Black Eyed Dog is is possibly the best. Nick Drake moment, oh, isn't it's it? So I mean, it's incredible. He's so so beautiful. Yeah, that's oh. not fair. Move on. Yes, I can't. I, I can tell you the answer in about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love. Well, both the current. But I'm, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for Stairway to Heaven to, to kind of move yeah. this on. I'm okay. going to vote for Stairway to Heaven. I'm going to vote Stairway as well because oh, okay. well, there's, there's the drama yeah. gone immediately. <laughs> I, I, Dave's going to vote I for am. Stairway. I am. Of course, I am. Oh, okay. I, knew, I knew that the drama wasn't. I'm going to vote for Black Dog bones. then. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of your black dog, yeah, that's great. I mean, I th- I think that is a solid podcast musical reason. It's a to high point for, for the integrity no, of this podcast. No issue with that at all. Well done, you. All right. However, yeah, I am going to pick. I, yeah. I, can I can I just yeah. pick Dave up on the fact that he's used the word prog twice on the podcast with a band that is not a prog band and yeah, i don't think I mean, I mean i mean i think arguing that there are any uh, prog elements are they not is, i, I know it's not prog riffs no no no, no there's nothing prog no. going on this here, is Dave. a hard they're a hard they're a hard rock band they're not a heavy metal band it's pre-heavy metal hard rock but prog it ain't yeah although this in fairness to dave the riff on black dog which is very straight up rock and roll is extraordinarily um kind of complex in the way that it's yeah there's this the, the time signature the thing is oh, the, and also you, the, other time you, the other time you mentioned it was with um four sticks and i appreciate that does go through different sections and that is something that prog rock artists do but i think that the prog the prog thing doesn't doesn't necessarily and they were it. quite proggy in their in their the way they played live and had massive solos that the drum solos is a very prog thing apart from that i think we can all agree and yeah. everyone will agree they are not prog but no caveat caveat I, caveat caveat i'm now clear yes. on that 
And if I'm not, Good. we need to move on anyway. No. All right, well, but let's talk about... Can, can we just talk about... Shush now. Can we talk about Black Dog a little bit before it goes? Yes. Oh, we've got to. So I was, what was it named after? Oh, let's not talk about that anymore. We've done that. Have we? Uh, the, we've talked well, about... If you like dogs, a, a black a black Labrador used to visit them at Headley Grange and he used to come up every day and there's a photo of him and they, they named a song after him. Yeah, which again is a bit of a worry, a bit like the Four Sticks thing. It's like, you know, I'm not referencing, I'm not referencing, this is twice on this album, I'm not referencing the actual lyric, I'm just naming it out of a random thing that happened while I was recording it. It's always a bad sign. The fact that they managed to still make such a classic album is good. But yeah, the the, the, the time signature thing is nuts because they're basically, it's, it's Jimmy Page is playing the riff in 5-4 over a beat that's in four four so if you if you dissect them and pull them right. apart they just they don't they will never fit over each other and apparently they did it deliberately so that you couldn't dance to it why they did that i don't know but they said yeah let's make a song that you can't groove to in any way which is mad because you sort of can but it's it, apparently it's so impossible to dance to it because five four and four four shouldn't be happening in the same song Wow, I um, mean, that does lend an aspect on how amazing they were at their instruments, what incredible musicians they, they yeah. were. Incredible, all four of them. But they did spend hours and hours and hours trying to make it work because they could, the riff kept running oh, out and they're like, and it was only imagine. when Bonham said, let's try these two signatures like this. Okay, so what's the song it's most influenced by? And I think this isn't a plagiarism issue, but if you play a bit of this yeah, song, yeah. you will see how influenced it yeah. is by this song. Anybody know? I, I no. do know, so I'm going to let Dave guess. I don't know. Oh, well, I'll have to tell you. <laughs> lovely work smacked Fleet, it out there Fleetwood Mac's oh well that was oh the well. joke <laughs> yeah if you yeah if you stick a bit of oh, oh well I on love Fleetwood Mac oh you well can by hear. Fleetwood Mac I, I didn't I did not connect I love the two oh well it's incredible because it's that it's that stop, dynamic stop. of big riff and then totally a cappella vocal on its own followed by big riff again is completely copped from oh well <laughs> I try playing this sometimes. It's such a beautiful riff. It's incredible. I love it. But Peter Green, um, I think this is one of the points where Peter Green kind of exploded into virtuosity yeah. and no one else could keep up with him. If yeah. Peter Green were Led Zeppelin, he might not have had a, diff- a different ending. about the shape I'm in I can't sing I ain't pretty and my legs are thin but don't ask me what I think of you I might not give the answer that you want me to Yeah, so that that dynamic was completely copped. That that they loved it. So they, and that was same year, '68. I mean, they both came out in '68, Fleetwood Mac and Led Zeppelin. So you're talking two years later, they're nicking it. It's not even like any yeah. time has passed. But that I don't think that is a that's not a plagiarism. No, issue. That's, that's more of a homage to the an yeah, homage to the uh, to the inspiration. By yeah, Led exactly. Zeppelin standards, that's hardly an issue. <laughs> <laughs> and for what, cool. To, what, Okay, so Stairway to Heaven goes through, and the second semi-final is 
Battle of Evermore against When the Levy Breaks. Okay, it's it's probably going to have to be Levy, but I mean, Battle of Evermore was amazing. So, can we talk yeah. about that? Are we are we are we agreeing that yeah. Levy's going through? Yeah, I will vote for Levy yeah, Breaks. Okay, all right. So but, so so Battle of Evermore. They is the I think the only Led Zeppelin song with another vocalist on it, which was the incredible Sandy Denny from Fairport Amazing. Convention. Um, Amazing, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Just a, just was she on it? <laughs> I didn't. What the you fuck did you think singing the other bits? Uh, <laughs> I love Sandy Denny. Wow. You are gonna have to fuck. This is rumours debacle level here, Dave. You're gonna. I love. Have to I love this out. song and I love Sandy Denny and I did not connect them. Fucking hell. I mean, it's amazing. What's so interesting here, Dave, is that her vocal is quite a bit lower than maybe Where's you'd her expect, vocal? and they, it is hard. It. Her, there's two parts yeah. to this song, right? Uh, uh, Robert Plant is the narrator yeah. and Sandy here. Denny here she yeah. comes here she is That's is Sandy it? Denny I thought that was Robert Plant yeah no I know because they've, they're using the same range really she's got she's singing in her low range and Plant has got a very high range she's got a great great I high range I thought that was him We've doing not, a soprano bit no 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 you can. she's got a different timbre to uh. her voice and she's the town anyway well, so I can, Robert yeah Plant you can hear it when you know Sandy it Sandy Denny is the I town I know that He's, yeah. t- he's talked you over can... the most important bit, though. Sorry, Say it twice. Again. <laughs> That's just a third fucking time because he didn't fucking do his research. You know, his favourite artist, Sandy Day, is on the fucking album. Fucking unbelievable. Right, so just to yes. clarify the third time, Robert Plant is the narrator and Sandy Denny is the town crier representing the people in this uh, story. That's interesting. Yeah. And she gets her own symbol. If you look closely on the oh. back cover, you will see next to the Battle of Evermore, there is a, uh, a, there are three triangles because she's got her own little symbol because nobody gets their, their name on the album. It's just the symbols. Ah, okay. We've got to quickly cool. talk about the symbols. Yes, there are symbols in this album. There's four symbols. And we're not talking drum symbols. She had the Feather of Mott. Who was that, Dave? Feather of Mott. I don't know. Oh, for fucking... Make it fun. Uh, yeah. fucking guess. For fuck's sake. Okay, uh, John Paul Jones. No, it was Robert Plant. It's the emblem of a writer. The Bromian Rings. I mean, this is so uh, Tokyo. Uh, John Bonham. The Bromian Rings. Rep- well done, representing man, woman and child. He was very much a family man and always missed his children when on tour. A big problem for Bonham actually led to his drinking. The Celtic Knot. John Paul Jones. Well done. Fantastic. Leaving Zoso, which is very mysterious. And Although, no one knows what it means, I would like to apparently. Point, I would like to point out that, hang on, that, that it wasn't a Celtic Knot, it was a Celtic Knot because Celtic's a football team. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That is very true. But maybe he's a big Hoops fan. You don't yeah, know. Yeah, is it, yeah. Yeah, you know, come the old firm Derby, he's right yeah. up there. <laughs> he's right up there. So, um, John Paul Jones, it was his wife that heard that Jimmy Page was looking for a bassist and then told John Paul Jones to uh, phone him up and ask if he could join the band, which he did. Mm. Um, and then 57 years later, they're still happily married. Wow, that's lovely. It's a good rock and roll story for you there. But, but the story of... Um, so some guy... He gets married young, then joins a rock and roll band, which go on to be one of the biggest you know, heavy rock bands in history. He's like a first row seat to all this debauchery, but emerges from it and, and has a fully functioning relationship all the way through. And 57 years later is still happily married. That's really interesting. I'd like to know more about how a human being gets wrapped up in all of that and be, you know, in the eye of the storm and come through okay at the end and and still have a, a decent relationship. Well, he he's he's an interesting character in Zeppelin because he's the special source because 
you know that they, they they were only guitar bass and drums but he wasn't only just bass that's the thing it, you know he's not quite he like, was keyboards um, you mean whistle in the who i'm getting to that David. Okay. i'm getting to that he's not <laughs> don't quite play the john music en- yet don't play the music yet Lord. it's not you know because john entwistle in the who is like a super virtual virtuosity mad bassist who can play sort of anything but overplays slightly and the thing with with john paul jones is he was absolutely jack of all trades because we talk about you know people talk about um battle of evermore having jimmy page playing mandolin for the first time oh isn't that musical and amazing and it is but he borrowed the mandolin off john paul jones because john paul jones already played the mandolin and john paul jones already could do string arrangements on keyboards and john paul jones plays the recorders on real recorders on the beginning of um stairway to heaven john, I mean, john paul jones can play literally anything mm. he is he is the definitive classic example of a multi-instrumentalist um, you know, so he could do keyboards on stage, he could do mandolin on stage. And again, you listen to him playing mandolin on Going to California, and however musical what Jimmy Page is doing on Battle of Evermore, that's it's kind of I'm just learning how to play this. But it's you can hear those little those exactly mandolin. those little mandolin runs he does that John Paul Jones does on Going to California, you can hear he's a mandolin player. He's played this before. That's a proper mandolin run. He is absolutely phenomenal and i think it's because he was a he was a workman you know he was a, he was a craftsman and he didn't have any interest in being a rock and roll star before zeppelin and he didn't have any interest afterwards i think that's part of the answer to the question okay well we we're done with the semi-finals are we good i hate semi-finals i hate semi anything okay <laughs> so we're on to the final and maybe it's an obvious choice um but it's stairway to heaven against when the levee breaks oh. uh stairway to heaven what is there left to say about this iconic uh, non-single, which is probably their most famous song? Robert Plant hated it. <laughs> what? What's wrong with that? Robert Plant hated it. That's true. Did he? Yeah, that's not a joke. Robert wow. Plant absolutely loathed it, and he, he grew he grew to loathe it over time. Even and that's more. why that's why when you watch the um, is it called Celebration Day that the big the big thing they did at the O2 a few years back yeah. so when Ar- Ahmed Ertegun died who was a big Crosby Stills and Nash supporter as well he was the head of Atlantic Records they did a that gig for him and they did Celebration Day and, and it was very much against Robert Plant's wishes because Page is desperate to get Zeppelin back together Plant yeah. wants nothing to do with it and wanted nothing to do with them but said yes I'll do this as a one-off gig and they did Stairway and he got to the end and if you, and you see him and he looks at the sky and he goes we did it Ahmed because he knew Ahmed, would be go, Ahmed is up in heaven going oh he's not going to want to sing Stairway to heaven is he because oh, he, yeah, really? he came to absolutely loathe it well, why does he hate wow. Stairway to Heaven so much yeah overplayed um, he actually donated a thousand pounds to a radio station not to play it because they said we'll stop playing Stairway to Heaven if we ne- if we get enough donations from people and he, wrote, he, he actually sent them a thousand dollars and said yep I'm in um, you know, he, he it basically he just got completely sick of it because you know it's like someone said to him in an interview once. Um, do you think um, you know? Do you agree that sort of Stairway to Heaven is your finest moment? And he said, No, obviously Kashmir is our finest moment. Next question, you know, and that's that's how he deals with it. He, because for him, it just it just became it took over. I think it's like our whole career is amazing. We're Led Zeppelin. Why are you obsessing over this song? It doesn't particularly mean anything. It's not my best lyric. What's, okay, what's I, get, I get it. So it's like like Van Morrison, play Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> play Brown Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got all this yeah. other stuff that I prefer. It's so fascinating how many bands that happens with. Like even Radiohead and Creep, it happens. And, and Nirvana and it Smells Like Teen Spirit. They, this, they become these albatross and Fluid Mac and albatross. <laughs> but I think, I think he <laughs> also... Yes, I'm literally albatross. <laughs> 
but I think he also regretted the lyric because it's a very impenetrable sort of lyric that doesn't, you know, that sort of, it, it literally sort of invites people to, to have lots of interpretations. And I think it was just a kind of, I look, I chucked that lyric off, you know, it was late at night, we were in the cottage, you know, uh, somebody, I got inspired, I wrote it all down, we sang it, it was done, I've got no idea what it's about, stop asking me, do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, it's not my best lyric, I've written be- other better lyrics than this, I've spent far mm. more time on other lyrics than this, I don't know what it's about, even now, get over yourselves. I think there's a lot of that okay. as well. Uh, but when the drums kick in, it is amazing. And apparently they'd done a take, which they all thought was amazing, and Jimmy Page went, no, no, I want one more take. And John Bonham was just sitting there for like how many, however many verses it takes for the drums to come and getting more and more angry that's another take. And when he comes in, that's what you hear, that fucking anger. And you really hear that in those drums. Is amazing yeah. and it did pass the test i always listen to every album with uh, with a dog walk with my black dog when i take him for a walk over the over the fields and i was this passed the test of running with the dog I always test how good a track is when i have a run with the dog and and when it kicks off it's <laughs> phenomenal it really is i loved it so it's up against stairway to heaven is amazing what is it up it's against though up against when the, when levy, the breaks. levy breaks yeah so okay. let me ask you this, Steve, are you voting for Stairway to Heaven? No. Brett. Well, let's talk about when the levy breaks because we talk about the drum sound on Stairway to Heaven being one of the most pivotal moments on the album and in the history of Led Zeppelin, but the drum sound on when oh, the, the levy breaks is amazing. Do you know how they got it? And they recorded the drums in a stone stairwell in this manner and had this incredibly natural reverb. Um, and then they on top of that they added delay I think they only had two or three mics on it and no it was a single stereo mic it was a single over mic the, over the that stairway. was it yeah I mean a single mic which is which is a really weird way to record drums I mean they recorded it in the stairwell and then they added delay and then the, the real trick what they made of it is they slowed it down yeah so the drums slow down it gets incredible feeling everything is slowed down the whole track is slowed down except yeah. his vocals i think they slowed everything down and then let him sing vocals over the slowed down track the slide playing the slide playing on levy breaks it just it's everything on it it's just oh, fabulous phenomenal dave what do you think i love one of the reasons i love when the levy breaks 
is that, uh, as we've talked about, it's a cover of that blues song from 1929, uh, which describes a massive flood in Mississippi. And that it feels like that's all part of the journey from traditional southern blues artists to mm. early electric blues records that influenced the Yardbirds back in London. And then that led to heavy rock blues of artists like Cream and obviously Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. So it feels like this is part of that journey. So that that is one of the, the reasons I really love it. It's incredible. Let's vote. Steve, what are you voting for? Levy. Yep. I'm voting for when the levy breaks. And Dave, me too. It- I'm voting for it because it's Led Zeppelin on top form. Did we have any dissent yeah. at all? Were they all 3 nil all the way through? Oh my uh, god. Fuck, we've got to re record the episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time that's it ever must be. happened. I mean, there, all... Was all eight, there was only eight songs, but. Um... But to vote unanimously on every song, that's never happened in the entire time we've been and doing it. And it's this. not an album that we're all, like, you know, in the same place at either, was it? Like, we no. all come at it from different I mean, angles. I think it's a prog rock album, so I mean, <laughs> you're in a very different place from us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 